You're listening to A Conduit's Diary. This is a podcast about me, Rachel, and my experiences as I investigate paranormal activity as a conduit. This is rated R for explicit because I do have a little bit of a foul mouth. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast wherever you listen to it. And here we are, episode 26, Bye Bye Boyfriend. We're getting pretty close to Halloween, aren't we guys? Where in the actual fuck was I? I don't want to pretend I am all-knowing about the locations and shit in Arizona. Sure, I've lived in Phoenix or Tucson my entire life. I've made the trek northward to the Grand Canyon. Hell, I once even went to Flagstaff to suffer in the snow. I consider that pretty traveled for an Arizonian. But in all my time in Arizona, I've never made it to Prescott. To be fair, I get Prescott and Payson confused. They both start with the same sound of letters, and both are small little towns that have some nice camping. One is north of Phoenix, one is northeast of Phoenix, I think. Honestly, don't ask me. For the sake of this story, I will tell you this is not a remote town. You drive by it on a major freeway. Locals will berate you for pronouncing the town wrong. Prescott versus Prescott. And we can identify you as an outsider slash non-local by how you talk about Prescott. Anyway, I don't want you to think I was roughing it in the middle of nowhere. I'm just telling you I drove for an hour and a half to some town I'd never been before, and I was lost as hell. Phoenix, and Arizona as a whole, relies on the grid system. This means that streets either run north-south or east-west. If you look down from an airplane, you'd see a perfect checkerboard with a major road every mile. It's beautiful, but it makes navigating literally anywhere else impossible. So as I wandered through the neighborhoods in a strange town I've never been before, I was understandably upset. I'm chronically early, and I was bordering on late. Thankfully, good old Google Maps knew I was in distress. In its typical, I track your every move way, it spat on an alert. You're late to your appointment with Cassidy. Do you need directions? Thanks, Bezos, I said to the car, pausing only to consider if he was really part of Google, too. No, he had Amazon and Instagram, right? Shit. Whoever was watching me struggle sent a gift my way, and I pulled up to Cassidy's house just two minutes late. Her townhome looked a lot like mine. Older, but not run down, with a neighborhood that HGTV would call charming. The yard was small with a few shrubs befitting of the high desert. It actually snowed here on occasion, and while I left the valley, I watched the temperature in the air decrease with each mile. It wasn't high country, but the high desert air felt nice and crisp after the oppressively warm valley air. If Cassidy knew I was late, she didn't say anything. She answered the door with a slightly concerned look on her face, her dark eyes sweeping over me quickly before realization lit her face. She had a pair of reading glasses perched on the tip of her nose and dark olive skin. Her smile was quick on her face, crinkling her eyes in a way that made her look approachable. She stepped back and waved me in. Rachel, Rachel, thank you so much. Cassidy wasn't a typical client. See, not loaded to the gills. She was referred down the grapevine of people I knew, surprisingly through my mother. 
I guess her landlord was friends with my mother through some bridge club or book club. Why my mother didn't investigate herself was beyond me. I knew she was bored cooped up in her house all day. She practically attacked me with hugs whenever I came over. More than once, she was drinking tea with Harry, who would drop by just for fun visits. It was weird. Sit, sit, she said, motioning to the couch in the living room. Against the wall stood a woman with a frown on her face. Her arms were crossed over her chest. Her eyes narrowed on me with unrestrained suspicion. She was older, maybe in her late 60s, with salt and pepper hair that curled in a perfect bob just below her ears. She wore a cardigan that she pulled tight against her body. When our gazes met, her eyes widened in surprise, and her head tilted to regard me. I paused long enough for Cassidy to notice. Her eyes shot to the wall, then back to me. Do you see it? Them? She asked hurriedly. I balked, realizing then why the woman was so surprised. She was a ghost. The longer I watched her, the more obvious it became. The woman's gaze returned to that suspicious, calculating look, her frown only deepening. Do you have any relatives here, I asked, though I knew the answer. Unless Cassidy was adopted, there's no way this person was her relative, aunt, mother, otherwise. They looked nothing alike. Cassidy shook her head. No, my parents moved back to Hong Kong about five years ago. I don't have any other family here. I nodded and sat at long last, angling myself so the woman wasn't behind me. She didn't seem dangerous per se, just annoyed. It was hard to place. Still, I didn't want to turn my back on her. Why don't you tell me what's going on? I asked. Mother mentioned some weird things, but waved her hands dismissively and told me to figure it out. As a favor, she said. I guess I did owe her a little, after she'd spent so much time teaching me things I didn't know about our abilities. I should be more upset she kept them from me so long, but honestly, it was my fault as well. I never reached out. Cassidy smoothed her hands over her jeans, her fingers running over the material. Look, I knew this place was haunted. I was told it was haunted before I moved in. That's why I got such a great deal on it, you know? My family isn't particularly superstitious. Neither am I. I'm a school teacher. I teach high school science. This place is a steal on my salary, and with all the warnings about hauntings, and she rolled her eyes. I didn't really buy it, you know? They just posted it was haunted in the listing, I asked. If only everyone else were so forthcoming. She shook her head. No, it's after I toured it. I asked why it was so cheap, and they told me it was haunted. They didn't mention who haunted it, I didn't ask. I didn't really research it until recently. Anyway, I knew what I was getting into. And I don't... I don't want them to go. She trailed off and shook her head. Let me start at the beginning. It was about a week after I moved in that I noticed things were weird. I'd leave the house with the light on in the kitchen. When I'd come home, it'd be off. The AC would change too. During the hotter months, it was higher during the day than cooler after a certain time. I thought it was programmed, so I asked the landlord how to change it. They assured me it wasn't programmed. Like, it was all manual. It makes sense. It's one of those old ones you turn the dial. I'm not sure how you would program something like that. Sounds helpful, I said. Cassidy nodded. Right, that's why I figured it was my landlord. Saving money on utilities, stuff like that. I'd come home and my curling iron would be unplugged. Like, I always made sure to turn it 
off, but I didn't usually unplug it. But every day, there it was, unplugged. After a while, I figured it was the ghost the landlord and the neighbors warned me about. The neighbors knew? I asked. She nodded. Oh, yeah. They said they'd seen tenant after tenant go through this place over the last few years. They're always chased away. I laughed it off. Chased away by what? An environmentally conscious ghost that doesn't want my house to burn down? I mean, sometimes they're a little pushy. Like, her eyes darted to the spot on the wall that I'd been staring at when I first came in. It feels weird talking about them when they're here, she admitted. I shrugged. I have a suspicion she's always around. Her face broke into a smile. So it is a she. My eyes are flickered up to the ghost, who made no motion of acceptance or denial. Uh, I don't want to assume, but yes? I let the question hang, watching the ghost continue to stare daggers at me. Oh, okay, cool. I knew it, Cassidy said, sitting back into her chair. She's always had a very maternal energy. But more than maternal, more like my grandma did when she was alive. You know, she wants what's best for me. And for the most part, things were happening fell into that pattern. Wine bottles were fine to keep in the house. Hard liquor had a way of disappearing or shattering. I go to church every Sunday, mostly because it's impossible to sleep in. She's always making some noise to make sure I'm up and out of the house. I can see how others would find it pushy, but it's kind of comforting. Okay, so what's the catch? I asked. Cassidy furrowed her brows. Lately, it's gotten to be too much. My boyfriend, we've been dating about six months. He's been kind of living here. He refuses to move in. Says he wants me to move into his place. His place is smaller. He has roommates. It's more expensive. He says that whatever's here, just weird things happen to him. Bad things. He doesn't trust it. The woman against the wall muttered something that I didn't quite catch. What sort of bad things, I asked. I couldn't imagine how someone who kept the electricity bill down and made sure she attended church would do anything truly unkind. Cassidy shifted, her gaze flickering to the wall. At first it was fine, the usual stuff. His alarm would go off to wake us up for church, and he thought it was kind of quirky that I thought the place was haunted. He started to call her Casper, like the friendly ghost. But after a few weeks, things change. I'd given him the keys to the townhome so he could drop in whenever. That's when things really started to take off for him. He got locked out. A lot. It was like the key wouldn't work. Like the deadbolt was locked from the inside. It was getting to the point where I'd show up and the deadbolt would be mysteriously disengaged. He claimed he could hear it slide out of the lock when I pulled into the drive. I know, it's absolutely crazy. But that's what he claims. Sure enough, the door would open easily when I got there. At first, I thought he was just playing dumb. You know how men do sometimes? Act like they don't know how to do something when they really do. Weaponized incompetence. But it didn't make sense for the door, since I couldn't leave work to let him in, you know? And what does he gain by not being able to use the door? She shook her head. When he was in the house alone, he said things would happen. Like, his phone flew off the side table and cracked. Not just once, but two or three times. He said he was always in another room when it would happen. He'd hear it land and crack. Another one of his phones short-circuited, like he plugged it into charge and fried it. I know, you can explain away these things, so I didn't take them very seriously. 
Like he used an old charger. He set the phone at the edge of something and the vibrations made it fall off. That kind of stuff. Then it kind of escalated. Once he was in the shower and I heard him screaming bloody murder. I ran in there and the shower was on as hot as it would go. The shower doesn't get that hot. I shower nearly at full heat, but he's got sensitive skin. It gave him a little bit of a rash, but nothing too serious. Sounds like he's being targeted, I said, eyeing up the ghost lounging against the wall. The corners of her lips twitched in a smile. Can you think of why, I asked. Cassidy sighed and shook her head. No, I mean, maybe the ghost is jealous. It was just her and I here for a while, and then he came in, and I'm not alone anymore. The ghost shook her head and rolled her eyes, arms crossing harder against her chest. It sounds like she's trying to drive him away, I agreed. Do you have any idea why? Cassidy blinked at me. She's jealous, like I just said. Think about that, Cassidy. Why would she be jealous? Do you two interact? Are you here less? Why would she drive him away if it means you'd move out too? Cassidy considered that with a frown and sighed. I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't know. How about you go get some lunch and I stay here, see what I can find out? Cassidy looked at me cautiously. If I steal anything, you know my mother, I added. She smiled at this and nodded, grabbing her purse from the counter as she headed to the front door. I won't be gone long, maybe 20 or 30 minutes. I waved her away, waiting until the car pulled out of the driveway before turning to look at the older woman. Well, I asked. Her eyebrows rose in surprise again. Well, she responded. What do you have to say for yourself, I asked. The woman paused, assessing me again. So you can see me. And hear me. How funny. I have a gift, I said with a shrug. Sounds like a curse, the woman scoffed. She finally peeled herself from the wall she'd been leaning on and began to pace around the saw space, flicking off lights, unplugging appliances, tidying up pillows. Do you do this every time she leaves? I asked. She shrugged. When I can, when I want to. It's complicated. I'm not always so here. She gestured to herself. I feel stronger when you're here. Why is that? I don't know. Something about the energy, I guess. I've heard I'm a conduit. It makes sense that I can strengthen you. At least that's the assumption I've made. She nodded and considered that. A conductor. A lightning rod. I knew you were coming. I could feel you from a mile away. As soon as you walked through that door, I felt that spark. I just didn't know why. Haven't met one of you before. We're rare, I guess, I explained. The only other one I know is my mother. Everyone else I've met is a sham. Lots of shams in this world, she agreed. She clasped her hands in front of her, wringing her fingers. She's not going to like what I have to tell you, the ghost said. What's your name? I asked. Lottie. Why? The ghost replied. I shrugged. If there's a name, you're more of a person to her, someone to trust. She can't just keep calling you Casper, can she? I suppose not, Lottie agreed. She collapsed onto the couch furthest from me and considered her words. That man she's dating, he's a scourge. He's cheating on her with multiple women. Uses her place to spend time with them during the day, on lunch breaks and such. I thought locking him out would do it but I saw his text messages. He still has them lined up. He's what? I asked. 
blinking? Reading text messages? That was new for a ghost. She waved her hand. Oh, he's careful about it. It'll say Rebecca work or mom. But I've heard what he says when he answers the phone. No one talks to their mama like that. And no one talks to a coworker like that either, unless they're sharing more than just work. She wagged her eyebrows suggestively. So he's brought them here, I asked. She nodded. More than once. I don't know why he doesn't just use his own place, roommates or something. He probably lives in squalor and he's embarrassed. I would be embarrassed if I were him. Cassidy is a fine young woman. She's going places. He's going to drag her down. So you're trying to scare him away, I suggested. She shrugged. Well, I can't very well write, he's cheating on the walls in blood. Now can I? Though, with you here, she considered me and I shifted my weight, shaking my head. How about I help you? We can formulate a plan or something to get him caught. You're right. If I say he's cheating on her, she won't believe it. She'll think you're making things up. Give me proof. Let's make a plan. It turns out, Lottie had a lot of information to share. Cassidy returned from her lunch, her eyes flitting around the room. Well, she asked. Her voice had an edge. She was nervous. The ghost, Lottie, she had a lot to say, I admitted. Cassidy furrowed her brows. Lottie? That's her name? She trailed off, the corners of her mouth turning in a slow smile. I knew it, she whispered. What's that? I asked. Lottie. That's the name of the original landlord. She didn't die here, but she owned all these townhomes back when they were first built. Her and her husband kept them up until she died a while ago. I tried to find information on anyone who died here. You know, ghosts. All I found was Lottie. And she didn't even die here. She died in Phoenix after she was helicoptered there. I took one look at her photo, and I knew she was probably the ghost. She was quiet for a moment, pensive, as she looked around the living room. Well, Lottie has something to tell you, but she won't tell me what it is. She said Tuesday at 1 p.m. Does that mean anything to you? I asked. Cassidy shook her head. No, I'll be at school at working. We don't get out till 3, and I'm usually there until at least 4.30 finishing up. I nodded, tapping my lip. You have any cameras? I asked. She laughed, nodding and crossing her arms over her chest. Actually, yeah. Before my parents went back to Hong Kong, they bought me some indoor cameras. They were terrified of me living alone. I have it in a box somewhere. Perfect. You should put it up. Lottie can communicate to you that way. She did mention not telling Russell about it. Cassidy's eyebrows shot up. That's my boyfriend's name, she said. I purposely didn't tell you his name, she added. I shrugged. Lottie knows it. Anyway, she said not to tell him. Something about he would mess it up? I gave another shrug as if I had no idea what that meant. Cassidy apparently didn't either, but she tapped her lip and looked at the ceiling. Okay. Okay, I can do that. Did she say where? She asked. I shrugged, gathering my things. Bedroom or living room? She said it doesn't matter. She'll tell you everything you need to know. I left a confused Cassidy to head back down to Phoenix and into the sweltering heat, wondering if she'd take Lottie's advice or not. I got my answer Tuesday around 11 p.m. My email chimed with a message from Cassidy. The subject said, Thank you. Inside the email was a single video file. I clicked on it and saw Cassidy's living room. Shortly afterwards, a man, I'm assuming Russell, entered, leading a woman that was distinctly not Cassidy. She threw her arms around his neck 
and they began kissing before he led her in the direction of the bedroom. Just before the video cut off, I saw a flash of someone standing in the corner, Lottie, with a knowing smile on her face, before the footage abruptly cut off. A Conduit's Diary is created by me, written and produced by me, mixed horribly and edited by me. Cover art created by BMC Design on Fiverr. Music, intro and outro created by Chris Hornberger.